the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Members of the squad support the Palestinians and criticized how the Biden administration is handling the crisis. As long as the message from Washington is that our military support for Israel is unconditional, Netanyahu's extremism right-wing government will continue to expand settlements. We cannot stand idly and complicitly by and allow the occupation and oppression of the Palestinian people to continue. We're scared to stand up to the incarceration of children in Palestine. It's because maybe it'll force us to, to confront the incarceration of children here on our border. Oh, that's a coherent political argument. Thank you for that. Those arguments have been around as long as I've been paying attention to the Middle East conflict, but I don't remember members of Congress ever saying that stuff. I remember seeing people on, you know, Sunday talk shows or reading columns in the various newspapers, opinion pieces. I don't remember people in in government having that position. Do you? Yeah, I could be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember well enough to trust my memory. I'm sure there have been some pretty radical lefty types in Congress before, but uh, the fact that there are a group of them and they are avowedly under dogma spouting socialist third world is always right people i don't you know yeah they're they're distinctive um uh, what was i going to say i started reading what i was about to talk and got distracted my brain stopped my brain stopped um i've got a good quote here from somebody saying it is worth reminding everyone every once in a while that hamas is backed by iran so this is a proxy fight between Iran and Israel. Now back to you. I mean, if you look at it that way, how hard is it to pick a side? Yeah, come on. Yeah, Iran is attacking Israel from the Gaza Strip, sacrificing civilians cheerfully to their greater ends. One side, their goal is to just lob missiles in and kill whoever they can hit. The other side tries to at least only uh, you know take out the missile sites and hit combatants, not to kill children on a bus, for instance. In fact, right. there's a video making the rounds today that I'm sure was put out as propaganda by Israel, but it doesn't mean it's not true, of fighter pilots about to drop bombs and saying, no, there are kids there, so let's hold off of calling it off. Hamas doesn't do that. Right, right. Yeah, boy, and both sides understand they have the eyes and ears of the world right now, so they're spinning like crazy. It's it's strange the extent to which that's part of the modern world. There's actually a great piece, New York Times Magazine or New York Times itself, about how a bunch of like former journalists and former intelligence pros have gotten together and formed these research slash intelligence slash misinformation companies. And they have ties to the government. They have ties to the big uh, news media and the rest of it. And they will dig into people's past. They will go through their garbage. They will use uh, the methods of intelligence. And then they will concoct fake narratives or maybe real narratives. They'll contact their, their contacts in the news media and get push that word out as fast as they can. And the, the whole Steele dossier thing was a beautiful example of how that works. That was a little ham-handed and dumb, although all the... Uh, you know, lefty media fell for it, but that's now a major industry: misinformation and private intelligence. Lovely. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's here to stay. Um, that article I just read from about how the new Arab Street is online. The Arab Street is, yeah, is that um, for for the smart set? This is the way you influence people. This is the way you get your voice heard. Not chanting in a mob on the streets of wherever in the Middle East. Right. And it has all the subtlety and uh, truthfulness of, of the average Twitter account. Are you burned out? 
by the modern definition, which is so stressed out, I guess, from life that you can't quite function correctly. Um, burnout, in general, is said to date to 1973. That's about the time the first time the phrase was ever used. By the 1990s, according to this article by Jill Lepore, uh, by the 1980s, everyone was burned out. In 1990, when a Princeton scholar published a new, a new English translation of the Iliad, it had Achilles saying... Uh, he was burned out. So, Man, I'm I mean, stressed. It had become so popular that they were... All these centaurs and, and, and <laughs> sirens and stuff. I mean, this is burned out! It's pointed out that in the Bible, it looks like Moses was burned out. When at one point he said, I'm not able to bear this all alone because it's too heavy for me. Or Elijah in uh, Kings who said, uh, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. That's what I'd like to do today. And requested for himself that he might die. He said, this is enough. Was that burnout? Does burnout always exist? That sure sounds like it to me. It does. Which gets to the question, which is one of the more interesting parts of this uh, article, as it goes through the history of burnout. Um, Three in five workers say they're burned out currently. And uh, three out of four in the United States say they're burned out. Um, If burnout, and, and then there's a lot of talk of burnout being worse during the pandemic, obviously. If burnout is just part of the human condition, if it's just like, you know, that's just something that happens to human beings, then does it need a special name? Um, uh, yeah, I suppose. Well, love has a name and death and, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Sure, it can have a name. I just, I always need to know what's the definition. And and if somebody, like, works 10 hours a week and doesn't like people telling them what to do and feels so burned out, do I care? I mean, if you have a very low capacity for burnout, uh, should I care? Right. Uh, defining symptoms of burnout include exhaustion, cynicism, and a loss of efficacy. Check, check, check. <laughs> but always for me, right? Uh, well, my efficacy is okay. Yeah, my efficacy is okay. But cynicism, pretty steady. Exhaustion, pretty much constant. Omnipresent. So, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a number of studies also suggest that burnout can't be distinguished from depression, which doesn't make it less horrible, but does make it as a as a clinical term imprecise, redundant, and unnecessary. I mean, if 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 it's depression, then we should only refer to it when we think it's depression. Yeah, I'm not an expert in in that sort of thing, but I think if you could specifically tie it to say your work life balance or you're too busy all the time, that's a special kind of depression. Yeah, I could see it as a subset that requires yeah. maybe a, um, a specific verbiage. As this, all burnout has perf- uh, depression, but not all depression is burnout. There you go. That's a good one. You should have been a part of this article, <laughs> uh, which says if burnout is universal and eternal, it's meaningless. If everyone is burned out and always has been, burnout is just the hell of life. Yes. (laughs) But if burnout is a problem of fairly recent vintage, if it began when it was named in the early 70s, then it raises some sort of question, you know, what is going on with modern society that maybe we ought to take a look at? Mm, This is all starting to get a little precious to me. I mean, for instance, uh, Abraham Lincoln. Now, granted, he was managing a bloody war that was splitting the country apart. 
But he freely confessed to burnout on regular occasions. He, he was just completely exhausted. He didn't know if he could take any more of this, which sounds like burnout. Of course, it's the constant of the human condition. It changes its flavors and shapes a little bit through the centuries. I mean, nobody was burned out from social media in 1776. Are but you I'm sure? sure they, I'm sure they had burnout. Every day I get up, I make horseshoes all day long. What do I have to look forward to tomorrow? Making more horseshoes. You know, <laughs> I hit the mead and get all grogged up. And I, you know. Well, it also says in this article, and I think it's true, the louder the talk about burnout, it appears the greater the number of people who say they're burned out. So, again, it kind of gets to the, if it's the human condition. If it's just the human condition and, you know, your dad says, yeah, everybody's tired. Go back to work. Um as opposed to you hear all these stories about burnout, and you think, I've got that. Is there a special, do I get a check or a day off, or what do I get for that? Um, right. Makes a difference. Plus, we now worship victim culture in a way that we never have, really, as a people before. The whiner was seen as weak, annoying, and, and to be uh, cast aside in most of human history. <clears throat> Whereas now the whiner is the the king and or queen of a college campus, for instance. Hmm. Oh, that's right. You can't say king or queen anymore. Like homecoming king or queen, they're eliminating that. They're eliminating they freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. They're too male-centric, Jack. They're too patriarchal. Please do not use gendered language to, <laughs> to address everyone. Uh, I understand the king. And, <laughs> I, I understand the king and queen being gendered. Yes. Though I don't think it's causing any harm. But what's the gender of freshman? Oh, because it's got men in it. Freshman, I think. Um, Sophomore man. (laughs) Well, actually, sophomore, I was informed by my favorite professor in college, is a combination of sophos, meaning wise, and moros, meaning fool. Sophomores are wise fools. Well, why is that gendered? Uh, It isn't. And then junior and senior is like, uh, you know, Jack Jr., Jack Sr. That's that's male dominated. That's patriarchy right there. That's where that. <laughs> seriously? <laughs> so, are we going to. So, you got to keep sophomore, junior, and senior. That's stupid. Uh, if you're going to do it. Because, you know, we don't say male men anymore. So, if you want to say fresh people or fresh persons. How about fresh, fresh meat? <laughs> <laughs> the fresh meat are here. Yar. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. I know. Since when did we start caring about the feelings of freshmen? Right? <laughs> Come on, get in the garbage can. <laughs> well said, Sean. Well said. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. The United States Army is developing its most powerful laser yet that is a million times more powerful than the current lasers. What? I'm doing the math on that right now. Hold on. How? how you does heard it, me. How does anything leap that far that fast? Oh, that's a Most lot more powerful. That's a lot more powerful, yeah. we've determined. <laughs> Sean, your uh, your physics degree is really really paying off there. I, lear- uh, I recently learned if you turn your calculator on your smartphone, if you turn it <laughs> sideways, you get a scientific calculator. Yeah, it's helped cool? a lot. Yeah. yeah. Sines yeah. and cosines and whatnot. Your tangents. <sighs> Most laser weapons fire a continuous beam until a target melts or catches fire. That's what we're familiar with. But the tactical ultra-short pulsed laser, or the USPL, UPSL, sorry, for Army platforms will emit short pulse-like bursts. It's designed to deliver a terawatt. That's a thousand kilowatts, I believe, for 
a 200 femtosecond birth. All right, you just birth. make you can you can these could be real words or made up. It wouldn't make any difference. <laughs> a femtosecond jack is one quadrillionth of a second. Don't be condescending. Of course I know that. What? In one quadrillionth of a second, this burst delivers a terawatt of power. Even in that infinitesimal amount of time, incomprehensibly short, the UPSL could vaporize the surface of a drone. It's also thought that such a burst would disrupt nearby electronics, making it a functional EMP or electromagnetic well, what would it do magnetic to a per- pulse. What would it do to a person? Interestingly enough, they say it really isn't. It, it could cause mild skin irritation to blindness, but isn't really practical as a deterrent. But laser systems are incredibly effective to incinerate enemy drones, mortar rounds, missiles, that sort of thing. According to new scientist, out with the old scientist, in with the new scientist, laser systems are better directed at small, fast-moving targets like drones or missiles. Although they can do uh, terrible damage to a battleship, that sort of thing as well. Uh, the prototype would pack an extra punch over vanishingly short lengths of time. Unlike normal lasers, which spread out over overly long distances, a USPL can turn the air itself into a lens and keep its intensity intact. Wow. I wonder if yeah. there will ever be a battle where any of these uh, new modern weapons will be used. I hope not. You know, I was just thinking that very thing, and for every capability that's developed by a, a military, its enemies must develop a counter-capability, and a lot of our capabilities now are in uh, technology and communication, and so the counter-capabilities are all about disrupting that, like the EMPs we were talking about. So I could easily see warfare in the 21st century be as low-tech as we've seen in, in half a century. Because we won't be able to use any of our technology. So you'll have uh, generals hastily scratching out notes on pads, and a runner will literally run it over there. And because uh, both sides will have dismantled the super cool tanks or planes or whatever by hacking into their computer systems, oh. you'll have people on horses charging the other side with swords. Because none yeah. of the weapons work because everything's been hacked. I wonder. I wonder. Wouldn't One that of the most be interesting. Crazy. Oh, yeah, indeed. One of the most interesting things I've heard about the military recently is they've been working hard to develop, uh, it's hard to describe, uh, rotating communication systems. They have communication systems A through L. And if the uh, opponent blocks A, we move to B. Then we swiftly move to C. And all the services have to be coordinated. The Air Force has to know that the Marines are now on G. We've gone from Internet to telephone to microwave to I don't know, telepathy to whatever uh, because of the, you know, the technical countermeasures Mm -hmm. everybody's trying to develop. What is revenge bedtime procrastination? It's really just a fancy new term for something that has existed for a very long time, but uh, it might be worth uh, talking about again regardless. It's really the idea of you get through a long day of uh, nose to the grindstone, You've been working, you've been taking care of your kids, you've been doing laundry, you've been doing all that kind of stuff. You get to the end of the day, you're tired, it's time to go to bed. You should go to bed if you want to have a full night's sleep so that you're not, um, uh, you know, tired the next day. You're, you, 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 so that you should get your full eight hours, so you're not running in right. a deficit the next day. But you don't. I don't. Practically nobody does. You sit there <laughs> and you scroll on your phone and do crap that is um, more or less meaningless. 
that you barely remember the next day. You regret doing it the next day. That's one of the keys to this thing is people do this all the time, and you get up the next morning, and you regret it. You don't think, you know what, that was a good idea. Nobody gets up the next morning thinking, yeah, it was a good idea. <laughs> that I uh, kind of scrolled through my phone. I don't even remember what the hell I was looking at uh, for, for another hour and a half before I went to sleep. And then you do I'm it again. well spent. And then you do it again the next night, which sounds a lot like uh, my, my history with uh, <laughs> addictions I know about, alcoholism or whatnot, the next day thinking, that was not good, I don't want to do that again, and then you do that again the next night. But that's what people do with this revenge bedtime procrastination. And you keep getting further and further behind on sleep, and it's um, self-perpetuating in that the more tired you are, uh, the more you feel like you deserve something that's not just work and taking care of kids at the end of the day. And right. so you do more of it again and get even more tired. And I, I find it interesting that it's being described as revenge as opposed to just self-indulgence. I don't know who had to come up with Who's the, the vengeance against I don't know. I don't know who had to come up with the funny, Fate? the fancy the term. World? But their point is you got to break the cycle of just getting more and more tired. And if you get enough sleep, you won't have the need for the revenge bedtime procrastination near as much to just scroll through your phone mindlessly. You'll be more comfortable with the idea of just going to bed. That's what they're Wow, self-perpetuating misery. Yeah, how about that? That's something the modern person has to break out of. Yeah. I've, you know, how many people have done that, including me, where the next day you you look at your phone, oh, yeah, I was looking at whatever (laughs) online, uh, you know, shopping for something I'm never going to buy, I've never even thought about before, I don't even remember why I was doing it. But you stayed up an extra 20 minutes reading about it. Why would I need nope. nunchucks? <laughs> I won't do that. Armstrong and Getty. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. And we need to move on to our feature, Woke Lunatics Parading Their Stupidity Across the Land. Yes! <laughs> We're still working on the name. There are some who believe it's a tad long. couple of stories for you. Uh, first of all, uh, there are a number of folks in San Francisco who are calling for the resignation of school board vice president Allison Collins after several racist anti-Asian Twitter posts came to light. She's one of your woke black activist types who doesn't want Asians, who believes there are too many Asians in school. And she wrote, among other things, many Asian Americans believe they benefit from the model minority BS. Many Asian American teachers, students, and parents actively promote these myths. They use white supremacist thinking to assimilate and get ahead. Wow, wow, that might lead to a shooting or something. You're whipping up anti-Asian hatred. Talk to many Lowell High School parents, and you'll hear praise of Tiger Moms and disparagement of black-brown culture. So now she's, uh, and that's the problem with being in the woke crowd. You're in one minute, then they find something politically incorrect you said in the past, or maybe they just change what's in and what's out, and you're out. So get. Yeah, remember yesterday I was on this, po- I'm still on this poetry kick, but I was talking about poetry. Uh, I was listening to this podcast, and this guy who was uh, formerly in charge of the NEA, the National Endowment for the Arts, wanted to start some sort of 
national poetry contest to get people interested in poetry again. And it was about, you know, uh, memorizing and re- reciting poems. And you got into a contest like a spelling bee or something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he and this is before this woke nonsense happened. He didn't seem to even be aware of that. Or I don't know how old this podcast was. But he mentioned now there was some pushback because a lot of people thought it was unfair to uh to people of color to uh, to memorize poems, but luckily I was able to convince them. And I thought, "Wow, what? Wow, you're gonna have a well." That's part of that whole, you know, white people learn a certain way and people of color learn a different way, and imposing white ways of learning is wrong. It's just it's weird. Boy, these people are are the most racist humans I've I've witnessed in my life. That is the best example ever of the soft bigotry of low expectations. That's a great phrase. Yep. Uh, speaking of the San Francisco school board, I want you to listen to this conversation, please, between uh, Board of Education Commissioner Allison Collins. The first voice you hear is Ritu Khanna, the District Chief of Research Planning and Assessment. They're talking about the devastating learning loss that's happened during the COVID shutdown, keeping in mind that a lot of schools all over the San Francisco Bay Area are open. And everybody's fine, but those are private schools, and the teachers' unions and the woke boards are the ones keeping the schools closed, and it's a tragedy. But keeping that in mind, let's listen to the conversation. Uh, it's uh, clip 41, Sean, about in terms learning of le- loss. Go in ahead. terms of learning loss, we did use our formative assessments that were administered last fall to actually look at learning loss. I know you all have a report. And we have a report on the district's website in terms of learning loss. What's interesting is we see gains in some areas and some losses. And so it's, I like that you guys are also thinking of it as learning change, that yes. you know, it's not always across the board where you might think. And I don't know if you wanted to speak on that just a little bit. Yeah, sure. We don't like to use the word learning loss. Uh, we like to use the word learning change because oh we want to see it as unfinished learning, learning recovery, learning acceleration, so, you know, um, that's what we are we are trying to uh, look into. So let's keep using the word learning change. Thank you. Let's call a dog a cat. Exactly. To accomplish whatever we need. We have to have a certain number of cats. So we're going to start calling dogs cats and cats cats so we can reach the number of cats that we need to have. That's exactly what that just was. Yeah, exactly. Let's call it learning change. Thanks to uh, uh, Al Anonymous in San Francisco for alerting us to this. That's hilarious. <laughs> that and is writes, so Orwell. Arche- oh, it is straight out of Orwell. And, and we've talked about this before. When I read the book also and got to the part about peace is war or, you know, love is hate or whatever that stuff. 1984, yeah. I, I kind of thought I understood it, but I didn't really. I just, I thought it was like, um, uh, like practically an allegory or something. It was so, it was so not real. Right. It was an example of a certain kind of thing that could happen, not actually happen. No, it's actually happening. Mm-hmm. You're calling one thing something completely different just the left because is good it's at that. easier for you. They just change the language and they force you on your knees to use their terminology or you lose your job. But I love this note from Al. Wow. Our kids aren't experiencing learning loss. They're experiencing learning change. Sure, they could be in school learning the three R's, building friendships, playing sports. But just think about how much better they are at Zoom. They're learning how to be lonely and depressed. Some are getting a crash course in domestic abuse that they would never have had. Kids learn socialization at school, but they get to learn about social isolation at home home That's some great sarcasm wow it's not learning loss that it's learning is mind-blowing yes it is wow it absolutely is how crazy what? are these people 
But wait, Jack, there's more woke nonsense on parade. You could dedicate your life to looking for better music than that, and you'd never find it. Oh, so true. That music is so great. No, when you have perfection, you stop painting. Right. Clip number 40, Sean, please. Any sort of uh, gendered language, calling your mother your mother, calling your girlfriend your girlfriend, calling your wife your wife, employees there are suggested not, not to use that kind of language. You mentioned brown bag lunch. That is verboten. Things... At a birthday party, for example, you can't say hip, hip, hooray. What? Wait a second. You're going to have to fill me on on these. I have heard these. Why can't you say hip, hip, hooray? And what's wrong with brown bags? <laughs> the hip, hip, hooray one, I don't remember. It's maybe a, it's a Britishism, I think. Employees at one of, that's Joe uh, Simonson. Yeah, Joe Simonson of the Washington Examiner. Employees at one of the largest health insurance providers in the country, Cigna, are routinely subjected to far-left critical race theory lessons, and uh, according to uh, leaked documents and chat blogs obtained uh, by the Washington Examiner, people who worked at Cigna told the Examiner they're expected to undergo sensitivity training. They consider racist and discriminatory. Lessons include, of course, white privilege, gender privilege, something called religious privilege, etc. Employees are pressured to comply with inclusive language and su- that suggests replacing terms like brown bag lunch with lunch and learn or grab and go. <laughs> Big, but, but why? Well, what? brown, Jack, brown bag, bag, so you can cheap, use, wait a second. brown, You're, brown Joe, people. You can't see this. Joe's using a lot of facial expressions and hand movements. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't help me understand what's wrong with the term brown bag. Oh, you don't know what's wrong with brown bag? <laughs> no, As I don't. a white man, the bag is brown. <laughs> brown people. There are colors. <laughs> there are colors in the world. Oh, my God, these people are so friggin' nuts. I have more ter- terms you should use. <laughs> hilarious. Uh, you know what? Well, I tell you what, next segment, I want to do more of these suggested terms you should do, but uh, don't use no can do. Replace it with unavailable. Microaggressions uh, are questions such as, do you even know what Facebook is or are you a nurse? I guess that has to do with if she's a woman, she can't be a doctor or something. <laughs> I don't even know what Facebook is as a microaggression. Well, some of the craziest, craziest stuff is what Joe Simonson was talking about. You're supposed to avoid gendered language when Please discussing. Please do not your, use right. gendered language yes, to, we know. to yes. address everyone. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> so you're supposed to refer to your sister as your sibling, your wife as your partner or spouse your mother as your parent don't use gendered language it's hello Cigna. parents and of course they're using the pile of horse s white fragility by robin d'angelo the dangerous racist textbook how to be an anti-racist by ibram x kendi among other you're even forced to read books by angela davis who was a terrorist Let's see. Oh, oh, and they systematically exclude white males from uh, hiring decisions. I mean, like, literally, don't hire him. He's a white male. This is Cigna, the racist, racist Cigna, in my opinion. <clears throat> is there anything else? Yeah, 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 I don't get it. Can you imagine? And you refer to, yeah, my sister's coming to visit. What did you just say? 
I said my sister's coming. What did you say? Well, there, there aren't many people that would react that way, but there are some. Well, it's Cigna they would, apparently. Check your privilege. You've got course, to admit to racist of course you're crimes. Right. The, the point is not that I'm going to run into actual human beings that react that way. If a company has those rules, then they have those rules, and I could get in trouble for it. I'm confused in the scenario where you're sharing private information with your coworkers. Why would they have any clue what my uh, my my siblings' travel plans are? Well, I, I just think if you said at work, "Hey, my sister's coming to visit," and somebody witnessed you saying that, you could be in trouble because you used a term that is uh, it, it's it's similar to what used to be uh, you know sexual harassment that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very old jokes. school. It's ugly. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Finally, it was announced yesterday that Tiger Woods will be featured on the PGA 2K video game, though for obvious reasons, he's being removed from Mario Kart. (laughs) Jiminy. (laughs) I guess you can make that joke. He was the only guy who got hurt. He got hurt bad, but wow. Well, I think he was probably ambient up. He did it to himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So. My son has been super into going to the skateboard park since he was uh, real little. He started with skateboarding and then he moved on to scootering. Scootering is way more popular than skateboarding now, at least. It is? The I had no the... idea. Oh, huh. yeah. All the cool people are uh, are scootering, and the tricks they do are just amazing. And the one guy he idolizes at the skateboard park is actually sponsored by a couple of uh, different people. Guy is just, it's like the ballet on a scooter. It's, it's just amazing. Anywho. I was talking on a, on our podcast a while back that it, it worried about the sketchier uh, element of the skateboard crowd. A buddy of mine, his uh, kids are older, but his daughter, he used to take the skateboard park, and he said, yeah, it's always, you know, I've always had to keep my eye on a part of the crowd there. It's a, it's a, it's a big stoner, hanging out there, ne'er-do-well crowd, not really doing that much skateboarding, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a big deal when I was going there uh, with my son and keeping an eye on him. But he's gotten older, and I was, you know, wanting to let him have the the freedom that you get as you get to be older and kid. And he's with his buddy. He scooters over to the skateboard park, and I got him a, a phone so he could text me and stuff like that. Just because he not a phone, I got him a watch so he can text me on his watch because he had a horrible crash a while back, and he was actually limped to somebody's house and knocked on the door with his face all bloody. And Oh, my gosh. I thought, probably better that you can text me. Yeah. There's always been sketchy-ish people hanging around. It's gotten sketchier. I think one of the problems is a couch showed up. <laughs> that's a, I'm sorry, that's funny. I, I think I get it, but that's funny. I didn't think about it at the time. I didn't even think about it until last night. The couch showing up brought in a worse element that hangs around longer. And apparently there's now two couches. I haven't been there in a while. They wanted to be there, but they just, there was no seating. (laughs) So this couch showed up. And this is when I remember I told Sean this story about how there were some girls there that I think went off to smoke pot when I was there a couple of weeks ago. These three girls were sitting on the couch. And then one of them said, they don't, hey, come on, let's go for a walk. And then they took off and they walked over this hill together. And then they went in somebody's car and sat there for like, 15 minutes and then they came back and I think they I think they were smoking pot mm-hmm. um but uh, so now there's people hanging around uh just just it's become kind of a party spot and apparently 
I get a, well, my son comes back from scootering last night, really happy, sweaty. He'd done a bunch of tricks he'd never done before. He's very exciting. Then I got a phone call from, um, his best friend's mom and he said, did Sam tell you what happened at the skateboard park? And I said, no, he didn't say anything. He said, some of the teenagers there offered him drugs. I said, what? She said, yeah, my son came home and, uh, and he said, yeah, some of the kids wanted us to take some Molly. I didn't know what that oh. was. And oh I, I actually don't know what Molly is. What is Molly? It's like a party drug. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a, a rave drug. It's uh, straight out of the uh, ecstasy uh, family. And she said, well, did you take it? And he said, no, we didn't take anything. He said, are, are, are you being honest with me? Because it's very important. If you did try it, I need you to get to the, the ER, and I need to call the other kids and everything like that. This is a big deal. And he said, no, I didn't even know what they are talking about. So he just said no. And they were, they were also breaking beer bottles, and they kept offering us Molly. And uh so I asked my son about it. He was completely oblivious that this had happened somehow. I think as he was so dialed in on doing his 180s out of the bowl that he must not have hurt him or, or something. But anyway, um I uh I was getting angrier and angrier as she was telling me about this. I mean, I was furious. I was wanting to drive over there right that instant. Um cuz again, you're talking about kids who are not 11, even teenagers. 11-year-old. You offered you offered drugs <clears throat> to my 11-year-old and his wow. friends. Um, so I'm going to endeavor to find out who these kids are and have quite a stern talking with them in which I want them to feel like I'm a lunatic who may beat their ass because I am a lunatic that might beat their ass is a, is the reason they might feel that way. Right. But I yeah, also, I, I get it. I also would like to tell them, I know for a fact, I'll, I'll look this up today. I'll talk to the cops. I know for a fact that, uh, giving drugs to children is a pretty big crime. It's going to change your life, at least for the short term. You get caught giving drugs to kids. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's not a good thing to do. Or even offering them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I was going to call the city today and see if I can get the couch removed. I think that would help because it's become a thing where people show up and they drink beer and do drugs and hang, sit on the couch. Take the couch somewhere else. I live in a town that is more open to sketchiness than a lot of towns are, but... I have other friends who live in towns that couldn't be more different than mine. They have the same problems with the skateboard park. There's just something about the skateboard park crowd mm-hmm. uh, universally. Yeah, yeah. Well, as a guy who was crazy into rock and roll as a kid, and still am, uh, yeah, there's there's more um, uh, fringy behavior among uh, people playing in garage bands than there were, you know, and, and some other things kids could be the doing. The chess but club. Probably. On the other hand, the more I think about it, my buddies on the football team were just getting hammered. <sighs> um, hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's troubling. I wonder, and, and you handle it the way you want, but, uh, you know, we have connections. I wonder if you could get the cops to go over there and and have a word, or were, would you prefer the uh, a little more Buford Pusser walking tall 1970s scary old man uh, persona? <laughs> Yeah, and what and what sucks and so my and and my son actually started crying when I started telling him about this, and it's because he's just so upset because he thought he's not going to get to go anymore. And I said, no, we'll keep going, but we're, we might have to like I might have to go with you. But you know, it's not the same thing as him and his friends got to go off on their own to the skateboard park and do their thing and kind of be older kids. And he feels like it kind of got ruined by these scumbag freaking idiots, which it yeah. did, at least temporarily. A part of me wonders whether they were joking, and an eleven-year-old well, wouldn't pick up on that. Yeah. Well, why don't you go to a schoolyard today and jokingly offer some children some drugs and see if the police think that's funny? Oh yeah. No, I hear you. I totally hear you. Um, 
I mean, but that would be, that's aberrant behavior to the point of being bizarre. I know, I'm going to furnish some kids with some drugs. Some little well, They kids. were probably stoned out of their mind. You don't always make the uh, the best judgments when you're doing yeah. that. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. If you're drinking beer and doing molly in the afternoon as a, as a teenager, you might not have been making the best uh, decisions. Right, right, wow. That's too bad. Remember, I called the police one time on uh, people smoking uh, pot in the bathroom, which is about 100 feet from there. Uh-huh. And I felt like a narc, but I don't know. It's just disappointing. I don't know what you do about it. <laughs> I think it's important that you realize the uh, the difference in the the substances being used in those two scenarios, and that uh, overreacting in this one seems pretty hard to do. Molly is a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's a pretty it's a serious psychoactive drug powder form of ecstasy, from what I understand. Um, <clears throat> and I'm sure. So would different... that be a Schedule One or whatever you call it? I like... mean, technically, pot is too, but but uh-huh. it, it, it is yeah. It, it, from your perspective, I think it's important to realize that that is mm. it is not akin to hey hey kids want to get high mm-hmm. right it, it, that's not what that is mm-hmm. interesting well well just uh, yeah just be careful being right often is not a defense uh, you know in today's litigious ridiculous world yeah you I've... can carry an axe handle just don't use the axe well handle. yeah I hit a kid with an axe handle although. Uh... <laughs> um, if I ended up in the news for trying to stop teenagers from giving 11-year-old drugs, I'll take that a media hit. Sure. Yeah, why not? Good God. Armstrong and Getty.